Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Brand Banner Podcast with your hosts, Luke Pychinski and Jack Carlson. Today, we're launching into our Super Bowl special, talking all things Super Bowl, the ads, the themes around everything, and just kind of everything else in between. Super excited for this. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, definitely. As as I reflected more on the Super Bowl, I did realize that the ads were a lot better than my first initial reaction when I saw them live. So excited to get into this. As always, everything around advertising is subjective. And generally, it's kind of clear there's a vibe between the general public sentiment and their favorites, just from an entertainment point of view versus the advertising marketing world's favorites. And neither side's viewpoint is necessarily right or wrong. But at the end of the day, this goal for increased commerce is the same, You know, whether it's immediate through kind of monetary increases, or it's through this kind of perceptual increases over time, kind of a heightening of brand image and position in the marketplace. In this sense, advertisers create and evaluate spots from this overarching lens, like how does a commercial portray the brand, its message, all while trying to appropriately balance this public sentiment that I mentioned. But at the end of the day, the general public rules supreme. They're the ones spending their hard-earned money, which is the ultimate goal for all advertisers on these promoted goods and services. So regardless of the opinion of, you know, your beanie wearing creative who masterminded the big idea or the room of suited C-suite executives, the campaign lives and dies by the wallets of the consumer. So first and foremost, want to give a big congrats to the LA Rams. Personally, I was cheering for the Cincinnati Bengals. Jack, how did you feel about the game overall? Yeah, I thought it was a good game. I'm glad that it was close, came down to the final possession. So that was good that it wasn't a blowout. I know some people probably worried about the Bengals potentially being blown out. So, I mean, I'm glad it was a good game. I, however, wanted the Bengals, especially Joe Burrow, as well to win, but happy for the Rams. I mean, they are basically a super team right now. Their roster was loaded and they won the Super Bowl. So that was cool to see. Luke, one thing here too, just with the Super Bowl and the weight of the NFL, I mean, this is the biggest event in the world, I believe. I mean, the NFL has the highest ratings pretty much of any other event average in the Super Bowl just destroys NFL regular season and even playoff ratings. So it just makes total sense for advertisers and different types of entertainment spots like the halftime show to really all partake in the Super Bowl. And so it really is a great event holistically from really anything going on within the country. So yeah, excited to get into it here. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really interesting to see how even internationally people tune in for the Super Bowl wherever you are in the world. Even if you don't really know football, it's kind of this spectacle where you can appreciate the advertising, you can appreciate the game, you can appreciate the halftime show. There's something for everybody. So it really is a great opportunity for a lot of brands to kind of get their name out there or kind of solidify themselves in the marketplace. And in this year's Super Bowl, we had a $7 million price tag on a 30-second spot. So people were paying $7 million on average for a 30-second spot and obviously upwards for 60-second spots or, you know, 90-second spots. Jack, what are your initial opinions on whether or not this was worth it from brand's perspective or anything else? Yeah, I think if you really dissect most of the Super Bowl ads for whatever the brand or product service is, if you look at it, a lot of it's, well, Luke and I were going to dive into the little categories here, but it doesn't really make sense. It might not be 
the right investment for brands that are already like have a renowned product that is pretty stable in the market share in society. And so a lot of the ads that you saw were for new launches or brands trying to like position themselves better in the marketplace or more futuristic type companies like within the crypto space, as you saw. So really, I think Super Bowl ads make sense for companies that are trying to do something out of the out of the norm. And then also for like a new product launch or a new reposition or something along those lines. So that's really where it makes sense for those brands. What do you think, Luke? Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with you. It definitely makes a lot more sense. It's more justifiable from those brands that are putting out new products who are trying to kind of solidify themselves in a, in a very competitive space. It's something to where from the advertising perspective, we kind of still look at some of these brands. And for one, you know, the first one that comes to mind was WeatherTech and their floor liners. I know they always have a presence in the Super Bowl. But spending $7 million for their 30-second spot where they're just kind of showing that their floor liners can go into a car and that their service is very speedy, I'm not necessarily certain that that was super worth it. They're a smaller brand, but in terms of that space, I can't think of anyone else that's there. So I understand trying to solidify your spot, but at the same time, if you're the only one there and you already have that brand recognition, it might not be totally worth the money. So jumping right into the themes, there was a lot of stuff going on this Super Bowl. There were a lot of different underlying themes as there always is with Super Bowl spots. The first of which that we noticed being this emphasis on nostalgia, kind of bringing back previous products and different shows or different celebrities and different happenings in the past. And I think with nostalgia, it's something to where it's very interesting because a lot of this stuff kind of comes with a baked in history that people remember and either look back fondly on or they look back and they think like, wow, like, I don't even remember that. Some examples of this that we saw were with the Austin Powers GM commercial crypto.com ad with LeBron, the E-Trade baby the Sopranos Chevy ad, Lindsay Lohan with Planet Fitness and the Barbie tie-in on the Rocket Mortgage ad. Jack, what were your thoughts on nostalgia within the Super Bowl this year? Yeah, I think it's just interesting as you'll see here, the themes be compiled of that nostalgia was super prominent in these ads. And I mean, Luke just named off a handful that were all very nostalgic. So that was really interesting to me. I guess maybe these brands thought that consumers are in a really engaged state during the Super Bowl. And so you're really going to be able to hit them in the fields. And so maybe that's really why they kind of leverage this whole nostalgic being for these ads. And honestly, I did like all these. A lot of these had me in the fields. And I think it's cool to just reflect on how far the world has progressed, even in the last 10, 20 years, you know, bringing back Austin Powers and Lindsay Lohan and Barbie. So I think that was all Really interesting. I hope that uh, works wonders for these various companies. Moving on to our next theme here, uh, something else that Luke and I noticed was just really the appeal to Gen Z and just the whole next generation with crypto and then the whole metaverse, things of that nature. So that was another theme we found as well. Uh, Luke, do you have anything to add about that? Yeah. I mean, I think it was interesting and I know we'll launch into it more with our specific top five, bottom five and our honorable mentions with these specific ads, but it was interesting how as an overarching theme, some of these brands kind of chose to appeal to more of a cultural phenomenon and a changeover into this new landscape where kids aren't reading the newspaper, kids are on their phones, they're getting news from TikTok, they're getting news from Snapchat. So kind of appealing to kind of where these kids are, people are really involved in crypto, the metaverse is growing, kind of working within those spaces and trying to hit people where they are is definitely a smart strategy for the future. Um, and it's something that I definitely think was a hit and a miss for certain brands, but I don't expect it to be going away anytime soon. So 
Moving into our next theme, we noticed a very heavy utilization of celebrity cameos. The Super Bowl is notorious for this. And I think it's very apparent when brands know how to use celebrities to their fullest potential. And sometimes they don't. With celebrity cameos in the Super Bowl, I think a lot of people kind of get infatuated with kind of putting a big name there so that general public kind of ooze and ahs of kind of putting these big names out on a pedestal and kind of saying like, here's this really funny person like, oh, Will Ferrell or oh, Keenan Thompson or anyone else. And and getting them to be kind of a mouthpiece for the brand. And I think personally, from kind of a marketing advertising perspective, it's interesting to see the brands that allow them to kind of be themselves, embody who they are and who their brand is, um, which is something that's really big nowadays with social media, allowing these celebrities to kind of be who they are in the spot and not have to kind of portray this forced persona is something to where I think a lot of people can identify with it as well. Jack, what did you think of this? And were there any instances that you particularly noticed where you enjoyed celebrity cameos this Super Bowl? To be honest, it's hard to remember previous year's Super Bowl ads, but I'm sure they've always been pretty prominent celebrities in Super Bowl ads. But I thought this year, especially, I mean, it was pretty much almost every spot had a celebrity. I mean, more than not definitely did. So that was interesting. And I, I agree that most of these were done right. I mean, these celebrities have such huge followings too, that it helps people remember them better. And so that's probably part of the reason why, but then like to Luke's point, I think it's all about, okay, you have a celebrity, but is it the right one? And I think the Bud Light hard cola seltzer did a great job with that, uh, incorporating Guy Fieri for the whole flavor town and these unique flavors for this whole new seltzer line that Bud Light uh, launched as the, the what, is, what is it, Luke? The cola set or the hard, hard sodas, hard soda seltzers. And so I thought that was really well done. And I know I kind of touched on that on an earlier episode, how I was anxious to see that. And so I thought that the spot there was was good and done right. So that was good to see. Um, and so, yeah, moving on to our next theme here, um, we noticed a lot of FOMO that these brands were able to create. So fear of missing out. I think a lot of different brands kind of whole strategy was, was just, you know, making their product or experience exciting and making you want to go to that. And so, I mean, the, the biggest example of that was obviously Coinbase with the QR code with that just sitting on your screen for a minute. I mean, we'll obviously touch on that later, but then uh, something else I really liked was planters. I know they've had a big presence in the Super Bowl, but they really push in their mixed nuts product in this spot. And I thought it was interesting how they had the whole debate of like, do you eat them just straight up or like you pick out each different nut that's with that's in the mix, or do you just eat them all together? And so the way that they were able to had the one guy pick them apart, like really made everyone want to, to try that as well. And so it's kind of inspiring to get people to want to, to buy that at the store and, and see what that's all about if by doing it se separately and taking it from a perspective that people might not have done before. Yeah, that's really about all that I had. Do you have anything to add to that, Luke? It's interesting to think about FOMO. It was really this thing that kind of came into reality a while ago, probably like five or 10 years ago or something. I can't even remember. With COVID getting back to kind of a regular state, the vaccine kind of being rolled out with boosters becoming more normalized and people being able to get them. It's interesting that these brands are trying to promote experiences and things that you can do to where you don't want to miss out on it. You're able to go out and you're able to experience things that you haven't in the last year and a half, two years because of the pandemic, because of quarantine. So get out and do it. You know, you don't want to be like X celebrity. You don't want to be like in X scenario, like some of these brands were doing, like Jack mentioned. So I think it was a great tactic to appeal to this cooped up person who 
wants to go out and experience the world and doesn't want to miss out on, you know, the rest of their life and kind of everything else that's going on in the world. So I definitely enjoyed it. The final theme that we noticed was just kind of this general emphasis on the future and lots of heavy tech and different interesting aspects there. It really was apparent with a lot of the automotive brands, pretty much all of them put out ads around their electric cars or electric electric trucks, kind of emphasizing how far they can go. And I think there was generally, you know, when electric cars kind of came out, there was really this fear around like, is my car just going to die in the middle of a highway and how scarce are charging stations and stuff and kind of reinforce these electric cars go just as far, if not farther than regular gas running cars do as well. You know, there are charging stations that are all over the place and there's really no fear with that. In addition to that, there was really heavy emphasis on crypto as well as just kind of different other tech that's kind of going on. And, you know, this kind of ties along with the general, the general atmosphere of the world now and just kind of how everything's going digital, how everything's getting more involved and inundated in tech, you know, whether it's on your phone and it's not kind of in person, it's really pushing this futuristic message. Jack, what did you think? And were there any spots that you noticed really appealed to this kind of future message? Yeah, well, I guess just first overall with every car ad was basically for electric cars. I mean, BMW, Chevy, GM, Kia, Nissan, they were all for electric cars. And it was kind of eye-opening for me in a sense that how long is it until all these cars are going to be electric? And I think what's fascinating about the Super Bowl is that it's always at the start of the the new year. And so we're about a month and a half into 2022. So it really, it's really the first big event of the year that kind of shows where we're at in the world. And I feel like the fact that all these ads were for electric cars just shows you how we're a lot closer than people think we are for cars, basically just all going electric. So that was really interesting to me. Um, yeah. One other futuristic type ad that I noticed was the whole, uh, the Sam's club scan and go. They had Kevin Hart where he was just scanning products. So it looks like now at Sam's club, you can just buy your products on the app as you're shopping. So you, so you don't even have to check out. I know Amazon kind of does a thing like that too, at uh, their stores where you just basically walk out and it charges you. Uh, so this will be interesting. Definitely something to monitor moving forward to see how the grocery category is going to be changing. And yeah, I mean, my initial thought on that was just, I feel like it might be easy to steal um, because how do you know if you've scanned everything, but I'm sure they're going to figure out a way to do that. But yeah, that was another interesting futuristic uh, spot that I saw. Uh, yeah. So those were really our five themes that we noticed. If, if any of you have any other themes that maybe you compiled, feel free to let us know. We would really be interested, but it was honestly pretty surprising uh, how you know relevant these themes were and that we were able to compile so many into those. So yeah. Pretty interesting. And so that was just a little snippet at some of the ads that we saw. We'll break them down further in a minute. Before we transition to the next segment, I mean, why don't we break down the halftime performance real quick, Luke? I personally thought that was fantastic. I liked how they had, you know, Snoop Dogg from California and they just had a really big Californian presence at this performance. I wish they got more time to perform, but that's kind of the the con to having so many people. But I thought it was an awesome show. What about you, Luke? Yeah. I mean, it did feel short. It's kind of weird that it was only 14, 15 minutes, I think, but with you and I being 24 and 25, it's a little bit before our generation, but I think listening to rap music growing up, we both can appreciate Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, but I thought it was really awesome. You know, the stage was awesome, kind of the transitions between everyone. And it really felt at social media as well, that a lot of the celebrities that were at the game really enjoyed it as well. So 
I definitely think it was one of the better halftime shows that we've seen in a long time. And I would love to see kind of that continue in the future. Yes. It was also a little bit nostalgic as well. So really they hit everyone (laughs) with nostalgia during the Super Bowl. All right. So moving into our ad breakdown, the first real big thing to kind of touch on, and I kind of touched on this in the intro was the fact that there's kind of a divide between common non-advertising marketing people and those in the industry and how people evaluate ads. This is really evidenced by rankings between the USA Today ad meter and the ad week and ad age kind of trade magazines kings. It's interesting, you know, from our perspective, we think about advertising in this brand strategy. How did it affect sales? How did it affect the brand image? What did people think? And from the common person kind of perspective, it's more about, did I enjoy this ad? Did I watch this and did I laugh? Did I think, wow, there's X celebrity and they were funny in this moment. So in that sense, there's kind of a difference between the general individual and those in the industry. So it's very interesting to kind of see, you know, from our side, the rankings being reflective of that. So jumping into the breakdown, the way that we're going to do this is we're going to both mention our honorable mentions, anything that we kind of had overlapping between our top and bottom five We're not going to mention in this section, but we're going to touch on things that just missed out on the list, things that we enjoyed, but weren't necessarily our favorites and discuss from there. We're going to alternate between Jack and I, um, and then we're going to jump into our top five and then following that our bottom five. So you'll get to hear our thoughts across all sorts of different ads, and you're going to get to hear the breakdown on what we thought. So Jack, do you want to kick us off with your first honorable mention? Sure. And yeah, just so you know, I know Luke touched on this, but we graded these from an advertising sales driven brand lift position. So these are not by just pure entertainment. It is do we think this is going to be successful, right, Luke? Yep, definitely. Yeah. So, so my first honorable mention is the ad for the NFL, the bring the house down campaign. I thought that spot was so awesome. I thought it was really cool how they utilized new and old players. And it really just showed how all these NFL players kind of just took over these kids house and their mom was upset. And I thought for me, just the bigger picture of just how much of a beast the NFL is and how much power um, and value it has to people. And so that was just, I thought they did a creative job there um, where it was kind of a funny and exciting ad. And it just really showed how prominent the NFL is in our society. And it also is good to show that, you know, for brands that are watching as well, that's like, Hey, this is a beast. This is where you need to be advertising. This is what people love. This is what they dedicate their Sundays for. So I thought that was a well done spot. That was also kind of unexpected. I mean, I definitely agree. I think when I first started watching the ad, I was like, why is the NFL even you know, advertising. This is obviously an NFL game and everyone that's watching, or at least the majority kind of already know what the NFL is. People tune in on Sundays. They kind of devote their whole day to watching football. So why do they need to do this? But through watching the ad, I definitely got a better sense of what they were trying to promote. And I thought they did a great job of it. Like Jack was saying, it really reminded me kind of of the 2014 world cup jumping over to a different type of football where they kind of use these cartoon kind of versions of different NFL players embody their different personalities and their different mannerisms on the field and whatnot to promote the sport and, you know, the league in general. So I think it did a great job appealing to the NFL fans who saw their favorite players and they thought, wow, that's, that's my favorite player in a cartoon form doing some wacky shit. I really enjoyed that. And to those people who, who might not be very into the NFL, it's an easy way for them to consume who some of the personalities in the NFL are and kind of what they're all about. So I thought it was great too. I definitely agree. It didn't make my honorable mention or my top five, but it was close. My first honorable mention was for Hellman's. It was the Mayo Tackles Food Waste Campaign starring Jared Mayo, who's a former linebacker for the Patriots and other teams. 
and Pete Davidson, who's a comedian on SNL. The spot kind of pokes fun at the fact that people throw out things that can be utilized with mayo to kind of repurpose into different products, into different types of food and different dishes overall. And, you know, you can utilize old bread or you can utilize spinach into different things utilizing mayo. So in that sense, you know, they're tackling food waste and they're trying to get people to not throw out different products that you can mash together with mayo to make something new and something enjoyable. And it was nice to get a kind of comedic touch with Pete Davidson as well. So I really enjoyed this spot. Jack, what did you think? I pretty much agree, Luke, with everything you said. I thought that was a really uh, unique route that they took on mayo and how it can tackle food waste. And then they tied it into football. I thought that was great. Everything you said, I completely plus one too. But also I am curious if Hellman's felt a little heat from uh, Duke's mayo from our college football bowl game, since that generated so much buzz. I wonder if they wanted to get in on the action as well, but I really like the angle they took um, with tackling food waste. So yeah, I thought this was uh, definitely an honorable mention. Moving along to my next honorable mention was uh, the BMW uh, Electric Avenue with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I thought that was a pretty funny and unique ad, and I really liked how they had the Electric Avenue uh, song tied to it and that he had, you know, kind of the electric superpowers. I thought that was just a well done casual spot. It was done. It seemed like in, in California too, where, where this location of the Super Bowl was. So really not much to it, but I just thought it was, it was well done. And the BMW car looked really cool in it. So yeah. What about anything to add there? Yeah. I mean, it was interesting. It's another one of those electric vehicles where a lot of different car brands kind of put out their electric vehicle and they tried to emphasize that aspect of the product. It was interesting to kind of tie it into Greek mythology and something that everyone can kind of understand and relate to. People know that Zeus is the god of thunder and seeing him in this comedic way, and especially with it being Arnold Schwarzenegger, who isn't necessarily known for his comedic roles, was something that I really enjoyed seeing. And I think it was definitely one that it was definitely one of the better automotive ads of the night for sure. So I definitely echo everything you're saying. My next honorable mention was Irish Spring. Welcome to Irish Spring. Irish Spring is obviously a cleaning product. It's a a body wash. It's a bar. So personal hygiene product, the way that they showed that off was cult like atmosphere in this spring forest atmosphere. Someone kind of showing up and saying like, Hey, like, where am I? And you know, them being like, Hey, like this is the Irish spring where we're all clean. And like in a really weird culty way, really kind of showing a comedic value around making sure people are clean and people's enthusiasm around making sure they're clean as opposed to dirty was something that I really enjoyed in the way that they portrayed it. Jack, what did you think? I saw that you also had this on your honorable mention. Yeah, this is one of my honorable mentions too. And honestly, the main reason why was because I feel like Irish Spring isn't, you know, that popular of a brand, although I am looking it up and it seems like they are third in the market share behind Dove and Dial. But I, Irish Spring is a brand that I know of. I've never used it or bought it uh, to my knowledge, but I thought the Super Bowl was super appropriate for them because, you know, it really can establish their presence and say that, hey, we are a reliable uh, soap brand as well. And so that's kind of what the ad portrayed. It. It's like, hey, if you want to fit in, you should use Irish Spring. Um, so the reason why it was still an honorable mention for me was that the ad didn't blow me away. I mean, I thought it was good, but I thought just the whole you know, media plan of partaking in the Super Bowl was the right thing for them to do. And I I'm hope it works for them. So that's why that was one of my honorable mentions. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with your takes there and just kind of chime in with some final points. I'm a huge bar soap guy and I actually use Irish spring pretty frequently. It does kind of really? smell like an old person, but I like that. It's very, it's very durable and I feel very clean after utilizing it. So 
I can attest to the effectiveness of Irish Spring. I definitely enjoyed their presence here. My final honorable mention, and it was only in local markets, was the Liquid Death. I don't know that there was necessarily a name, but Liquid Death spot in the Super Bowl, which utilized the popular song Breaking the Law by Judas Priest. For those that don't know, Liquid Death is a water brand. They put out regular water and sparkling water. The cans look like they could be tall boys of alcoholic products. So in that sense, they they really kind of conveyed this with having some younger younger kids kind of partying in like a, a very rambunctious atmosphere, drinking liquid death, kind of acting as if it was this kind of alcoholic product, even showing a pregnant woman drinking at the end. But the real message behind it was the fact that they're trying to hydrate, for lack of a better way of saying it. Liquid Death has done a great job recently, and they've been on a tear. You know, they partner with popular YouTuber Cody Ko, and they've done stuff with Tony Hawk with the skateboard that, that was infused with his blood that actually went to a nonprofit, but it caused a big stir. And another thing they did around the Super Bowl was they put a literal witch in the stands to put hexes on the Rams because they put a $50,000 bet on the Bengals, which is a completely literal thing that they actually did. While it sounds like a very taboo, weird thing to do, a brand betting on big game from like a brand's account, they were going to donate half of the wager and the the winnings to charity if they had won, obviously recouping you know what their initial bet was with the other half. But in that sense, poking fun at the kind of general stigma around their brand that it's very edgy. It looks like it could be an alcoholic product, but instead it's just water. But the packaging is just super on point with something that people want to drink and it's kind of pushing the space. What did you think about this, Jack? I know you saw this when you were watching it. I didn't see it, but I know you said that you actually saw this live. Yeah, I did see it. And honestly, the ad itself was hilarious with just these little kids partying. I thought it was very clever. Um, I would have included this uh, in and everything you hit on. I didn't know about the whole Bengals bet. I thought that, that I think that's really awesome that they did that. And it just shows how they were really taking advantage of the opportunity. But really the reason why that I left this out of my rankings was because not for the ad itself, just for the product. I think the product has potential, but I have a lot of concerns with just, it's probably an overpriced water can. And at the end of the day, it's just water. I don't see this being something that people buy every day or, you know, just they, I don't see them buying this as the brand that for water, I just feel like it's going to be overpriced and just kind of weird to have a tall boy can. I think liquid death can do really well at different types of events and festivals, concerts, music fest. I, I think that's really what their market is. And that's why I think the whole partnership with Tony Hawk is good. Like I could see this at like a skateboarding fest or Lollapalooza or something like that. But, and the mom with the pregnancy, I thought, you know, that was kind of funny. Like, Oh yeah, I'm not drinking. I'm drinking this. Like it's better than drinking a non-alcoholic beer that just has empty calories. But if they're trying to just become a player in just the water category, I don't, I don't know. I don't see this lasting, but the ad itself and what they did overall at the Super Bowl, I think was pretty great. To play devil's advocate on my own point, it's something to where it kind of reminds me of the way that candy cigarettes were kind of growing up. It was always this taboo thing that my parents never let me get when I was at the candy store. Came in a carton. They were, I think they were just literal sugar in a cigarette form. I don't, yeah, those were just straight. I don't sugar. think you could smoke them or anything. I think you just 
like cracked it off and ate straight sugar, which sounds horrible now thinking back on it. But I think it's kind of this criticism that I could understand that it's this kind of gateway into, well, you're chugging a, something that has packaging that looks like, you know, it's an alcoholic product. It's a tall boy. It's the same size as an alcoholic beverage. And, you know, you're kind of promoting this party atmosphere around drinking something out of a can like that. You know, what's to say that, you know, these kids don't grow up to just chug beers in that same way. So I don't really have come back to that. And that's since I understand people's criticism there, but at the same time, I, you know, like you were saying, I definitely understand they are trying to put themselves out there in a humorous way. I don't necessarily know that they're trying to compete with, you know, the Dasani's of the world, the ice mountains. I mean, no one's competing with Dasani. Dasani is absolutely gross, but I don't know that they're trying to compete with these general water brands so much as they're trying to compete with these artisan LaCroix or even the more fancy versions of sparkling waters of the world. While they are known for just their regular water and they do have a sparkling water product, like I mentioned, I think they're trying to go after that market more so than just a regular 24 pack of water that you can get at your local Sam's club or something. Overall, I really enjoyed it. So Jack, what about you? Throw it to your final honorable mention. Yeah. So my final honorable mention touched on it earlier was just the Pringle spot. They just launched a new rebrand. So I thought being in the Super Bowl was really relevant for them just so they could generate some buzz, you know, showcase this new rebrand. And I thought the spot was very nostalgic, but also hilarious. And so I just, I gave an honorable mention because it was kind of hard to get in 30 seconds. I think the full minute version is even better, but yeah, pretty much touched on it there and in, in earlier, but really enjoyed that one. I mean, I definitely agree. I think everyone can relate to getting their arms stuck inside of a Pringles can, trying to get those final half dozen Pringles out of the bottom of the can. They've had the same packaging for as long as I can remember. And if you want to get Pringles, you know, the feeling of sticking your arm in the bottom and it being an uncomfortable reach. And I think them trying to make humor out of that and try to emphasize like we get it our cans are not conducive to you know really easy eating kind of poking fun at that is something that you know i think really hit home and it's definitely something that i could relate to as well all right moving into our top five favorite ads each from the super bowl there's some overlap here so we're going to kind of just mention when we each have one that was both in our top five but starting out my favorite ad i'm going to throw this to jack following my initial explanation and i'll come back to it number one ad was the coinbase qr so for those that don't know and for those that didn't watch the Super Bowl or haven't been on social media at all, the Coinbase QR code was literally a QR code bouncing around the screen for 60 seconds. They paid likely 10 or $12 million for a 60 second spot of a QR code bouncing like an old DVD idle screen where there'd be a box you know, that would say Samsung or it would say, you know, whatever else to bounce around the TV and people would make fun of it, not hitting the corners. What's interesting about this from an initial point of view is the fact looking at USA Today's ad meter, which generalizes the public opinion and people that aren't necessarily in the advertising space, they rated this last out of all their ads. They rated this 66th out of 66. Whereas on Adweek and AdAge and a lot of the other trades, they rated this as their far and away number one. So this kind of demonstrates what I was talking about earlier, where there's kind of this disconnect between, you know, people in the ad industry and people that just the general public who watch the ads just to enjoy an advertising spot and kind of get a chuckle out of it. Jack, what were your initial opinions on this? I know you had this in your top five as well. Yeah, this was so fascinating just because I, at first it's like, uh Oh, what is this? What is this crazy Super Bowl activation? And then it turns out it's just a QR code and it sure enough blew up. And I feel like a lot of other brands or even crypto companies are probably kicking themselves in the butt saying like, Oh, why didn't we think of this? It's so simple, so cost-effective, but also 
effective. I mean, think about like these ads on top of the $7 million buy-in to be on the Super Bowl. There's hundreds of millions of dollars behind it that go into the production, the talent, all the filming and everything. And so this was just something that probably had such a little or such a small production cost. And then they were able to capitalize so much on this. And actually on top of all the buzz throughout the world, it was one of the top trending topics on Twitter. Their app went from number 186 to number two in the app store. And they got 20 million visits in one minute, which is an absurd cost per click rate. So they just blew their, while this was $14 million or whatever for the spot, for the amount of impressions and lead generation they got in the 20 millions or probably more than that, because that was just the first minute. I mean, those that cost per click just shatters it um, compared to what they would normally do through a normal Google ad campaign. So just from an effective standpoint, I mean, this has to probably be the most successful ad in that sense. And I feel like everyone is going to know what Coinbase is now moving forward. They know if, even if they haven't heard of it, they know it's some crypto company. And so this was really cool to see from an advertising lens. Kind of picking back off what Jack said, the ad literally crashed their app. People clicked on it so much that their app didn't even work. It's not necessarily for that older individual who already has you know, their money put away in a 401k or kind of in their stocks and bonds and whatnot. But for that riskier into crypto, sees kind of the market kind of fluctuating and things, let me get in on this. So with the offer around the ad, giving people $15 in free crypto, there's really no downside to kind of signing up for it. They allowed it to be open for, I think, an additional 48 hours following the ad. When you really think about it, from a marketing and advertising lens in general, it's really a really smart ad. And it's basically like a direct response ad on live TV, which has never been done before to my knowledge. And it's probably the most effective ad of all time. In that sense, because with regular TV ads, you can't necessarily measure how well it did in terms of driving additional sales or brand opinion, kind of these vague things. But with this with this ad, you're able to directly see how many people clicked on, how many people viewed the ad through the QR code, how many people signed up with accounts, how many people redeemed the offer of 15 free dollars in crypto. From that point, it's kind of a gateway drug in a way to where you, know, you get free 15 free dollars in crypto. You see that 15 fluctuate into $30 and you say, holy shit, this doubled. Why didn't I put a hundred bucks in right away? And that could have been 200 bucks. Now I've been up a hundred bucks easy. It really tackles one of the big hurdles of crypto in this space in general to where people don't know what crypto is and people are kind of skeptical on what it is and if it's sketchy in a sense. But when you're giving them free money and you're allowing them to kind of see what it does, it really kind of provides this no risk atmosphere to where they're able to get you in at the ground floor without you having to put any sort of stake into it. So I really love this. This is far and away my favorite ad of the night. Um, and I think a lot of people in the industry will tell you that as well. So Jack, did you have any other points on this or do you want to get into your first top five? Yeah, I think that Coinbase was obviously the most effective from just an advertising lens, but getting to an actual produced commercial, my favorite was the Michelob Ultra Superior Bowl. And that was the main spot because they also had another spot for their organic beer and then the seltzer as well but the main spot had the famous actor steve buscemi as well as famous athletes such as peyton manning jimmy butler neka agumike alex morgan serena williams and brooks kepka and so this ad just really 
it was a takeoff, um, the big Lebowski, which was Steve Buscemi's movie in the nineties, um, where they were actually into bowling. So that was all really relevant. I thought they did a great job with that. And just the overall setting was just so cool in my opinion. I mean, it's just like, it's like these people, obviously they're these famous athletes are just at a bowling lane, having a good time, diving into a little bit more research on this. So Michelob did this because it shows that like even these famous athletes can go enjoy other sports that normal people play as well and sports that aren't their own. And, you know, these athletes have a healthier lifestyle and then that's why they're drinking Michelob Ultra. But I feel like the whole perception of the beer in this just really changed for Michelob Ultra and the fact that a lot of people think of it as like, oh, the the golf beer or like the, the healthy beer, but this is just like a normal Friday night. Like we're out here having a good time and I just think Brooks kills his role playing pool. I think his head nod to Peyton Manning is one of the funniest and just like per- most perfect head nod you could do. Like I am just a cool dude over here drinking a Michelob Ultra seltzer. I thought they really did a great play on the movie, The Big Lebowski, like I said earlier. And really, they just kind of portrayed their brand and almost changed it for the better that like, you know, when you're going to go out with your friends and you're doing something like bowling or some activity like if you think of traditional bowling you probably think of people drinking like Budweiser or some random beer but now you have the whole perception of Michelob Ultra and that's going to want to be what people are ordering when they're go out, going out so I thought this ad was just effective on top of its whole entertaining purpose as well now here we do have a little controversy because Luke actually had this in his bottom five yep. I'm sure we'll go back and forth on this one but my initial thought when I saw this commercial I'm a huge Michelob Ultra guy, you know, I enjoy my light beers. I enjoy the beers with low carbs, with low calories. And I think in that sense, I definitely am in the target market as someone that would identify with this beer and would enjoy this commercial. However, I think my biggest gripe with this commercial is the fact that I am very, I'm very hung up on the fact that they utilize so many big name athletes and they didn't, one, they didn't let them talk whatsoever. So there's no there's no talking from any of these from any of these athletes. There's no talking at all. There's music playing over it, which is fine. There's music playing over it. But I think they just kind of show them nodding at each other, kind of give them head nods, kind of saying like, all right, good to see you here at the bowling alley because we're just regular athletes who can also bowl. Based on how the ad was kind of laid out, that you could have theoretically put in a bunch of random people. You could have been put in a bunch of no-name F-level actors who just act in commercials to be, you know, Peyton Manning, Jimmy Butler, Alex Morgan, Serena Williams. And it wouldn't change anyone's perception whatsoever. It reminds me of every beer commercial ever where, Hey, we're just regular people kind of doing an everyday task where, you know, we're having fun and this is the beer we're drinking, doing it. We're enjoying it. Even though it's a light beer, we're enjoying it. And I think even more so emphasized by the fact that they're big name athletes, kind of portraying them in this sense to where they're big athletes. And as if that's something that they couldn't enjoy, you know, I think everyone loves bowling. Bowling is an awesome sport. It's an awesome activity to do with your friends. You know, you're able to sit there, you're able to have some nachos, have some dinner, some snacks, probably not really dinner with a couple beers. And maybe Michelob Ultra is included there, but I think it's not something that really resonates with Michelob Ultra so much as it resonates with B 
beer. If you substituted Bud Light Next, Miller 64, any of these new up and coming light beers where they're trying to portray themselves in this light, you can still have a good time and drink our light beer and not feel like you're not drinking. You can have a good time and relax. I think it really could be interchangeable with which beer it could be. So that was my major gripe with it, Jack. Did you have any kind of response to that? I see what you're saying, but I think the fact that they didn't even need to talk shows you the power of their brand and of their net, like their network. I mean, everyone knows who Peyton Manning is and just the fact that he doesn't have to open his mouth shows you just how legit it is that he's there. Something else to note too, is that Michelob Ultra last year really was trying to push um, equality in men's and women's sports. And so if you notice, there were three women athletes and three men um, as well. So I thought that was really interesting too. And it just shows you that they're really trying to expand to everyone. And obviously they're stressing equality too. And I think that's something that I and you didn't even pick up on as well. So I think that's awesome to add to it. And I just think it it's really kind of making this brand cool compared to what it's been perceived as in the past. I think they've done a great job with that. But at the end of the day, with the Super Bowl spot, we're going to have to agree to disagree. I'm still going to support Michelob Ultra, but at the end of the day, can't really agree with this ad as one of my top. Um, like I said, it's in my bottom. So moving into my next in the top five, you know, the rest of these four are not going to be in order. The rest of these four are, you know, one, two through five interchangeable. The Coinbase QR code being an obvious number one, but the rest of these kind of being interchangeable. Like I said, my next in my top five was Lay's Gold Memories. The ad portrays Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd, who are friends outside of the acting space, but in the ad, they're also friends as well. And it really portrays Lay's as the staple kind of product that is present between both of them across all of their memories together. You know, whether it's being trapped in like a dungeon or whether it's on a, a plane falling out of the sky or when Seth Rogen is moving into his new house, you know, Lay's are there and Lay's were there. And I think it's something to where a lot of brands want to embody this place in the marketplace to where they are the product people remember when they're doing something, you know, like I remember I'm eating chicken wings when I was watching that game or, oh, I remember that I was drinking a Dr. Pepper when I was at that concert, you know, they want to be associated with that activity. And in that sense, I think Lay's did a great job of kind of portraying themselves as this kind of ever-present force, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it. I think it's a great tie back to something I mentioned in a previous episode um, with the Lay's Golden Grounds. You know, they use the same kind of terminology, Lay's Golden Grounds being special Lay's promotion where they utilize dirt from different fields in, in the NFL and kind of put out special Lay's chips and that were raffled off through an online forum. And in this sense, kind of using the same terminology, keeping along the same lines. I think what really stood out with this ad to me was that it allowed Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd to kind of be themselves. Like I mentioned, they were friends. They are friends outside of this ad and they're in a lot of stuff together, you know. I think there's a lot to these comedians to where they kind of stick together and they kind of pick their their projects to where they can invite their friends. I think Adam Sandler is really synonymous with this to where he has the same kind of crew of guys that he has in every single movie. People make fun of him for it, but I think it really does kind of make for better products at the end of the day. So I think the main thing that I liked about this was the fact that it allowed Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd to be themselves while also kind of promoting this great brand message of Lay's being a part of everyday conversations and lays being there for every kind of moment. It doesn't really silo them to just concerts, sporting events, or 
dates or really anything else. It allows them to kind of be all over the place with what they want to do. Jack, what did you think about this one? Yeah, Luke, I mean, you pretty much hit on everything that I would agree with. And a couple of things I didn't even think of. This was a borderline top five for me, but I didn't quite make it. I put it in my honorable mention, but I didn't mention, I did not mention that earlier because I was going to let you have your thing for the top five. But really the only gripe I have is that it was just kind of interesting with the whole, the house abduction with the, whatever that was at, at the end. I thought that was kind of weird for me, but overall just Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd, two buddies who have been in movies together and work together. I thought that was just genius by Lays and everything you touched on with just Lays always being being there for you. I think it was just really effective. And I really did like this one. It, it, it obviously has been talked about um, in high regard with pretty much everyone. So I think Lays knocked it out, especially just for a product as simple as a potato chip. Luke, would you say one thing to add is just would, how would you say this compares to the Lays football promotion with the potatoes grown at the local stadiums? Yeah. I mean, I think I was initially critical of the Lays that were grown at the local stadiums. I think I was very overly critical probably, but I think they did a great job changing things around for the Super Bowl spot. I think this does a great job of integrating celebrities, like we were saying, is a big theme and also kind of allowing them to be themselves. You know, people love Seth Rogen, people love Paul Rudd, but people love them for who they are in their movies. And I think Seth Rogen is one of those kind of actors that he does kind of play the same role in a lot of his movies, but people love that character. So in that sense, allowing him to be who he is was the best way to do this. And I think this is one of those ads where there wasn't a lot of disagreement between, you know, that USA Today ad meter and the ad week, ad age, ad tracker. Everyone agreed this was a great ad. Everyone really loved this one. And there was really no disagreement, like you said. Jack, why don't we get into your next top five ad? Yeah, so another one that was in my top five, which was probably in almost everyone's top five was... The Rocket Mortgage Dream House. This was completely out of the ordinary. I don't think anyone could have predicted it and predicted that it would be for Rocket Mortgage, which makes it awesome. And so I thought this was great because not only did it put mothers and people in the fields um, with a little bit of nostalgia as well, I thought it was just so creative that it worked, but it was also very accurate. I think Rocket Mortgage did a phenomenal job, you know, portraying the, what their product is, you know, in a simplistic way through a Barbie dollhouse. They really were able to describe their company's offerings and everything that's involved in the home buying process in terms of like the predatory lenders, different types of cash offers, and they had the house flippers there. I thought that was all just so interesting. And it really made it relatable and easy for people to get. And it was just so creative. And I know Barbies, we haven't really heard about in a while, but I just thought that was so unique in its own way. And honestly, I think it was educational for what Rocket Mortgage has to offer. And then obviously, um, I think they leveraged Anna Kendrick um, effectively. She has a big following people know and recognize her. So I thought she really crushed her role in this spot as well. So that was definitely top five for me, probably even top two or three. Uh, anything for you to add there, Luke? Yeah, I think this one just missed out on being in my top five. I think this one was in my honorable mentions. I think the nostalgia factor didn't really hit with me as much. You know, I think I'm a little bit too old for kind of the Barbie era. I'm also not Pretty necessarily young. in the target yeah. demographic for the Barbie. I think one of the things that I noticed that 
I think a lot of other people noticed and were really interested by was the QR code integration with StockX. For those that don't know, StockX was co-founded by Dan Gilbert, who is also the founder and chairman of Rocket Mortgage, who also oh. owns the Cleveland Cavaliers. So the code led to the StockX website and it read, look who it is. Congrats on seeing our cameo in the Rocket Homes and Rocket Mortgage big game commercial. Now you have access to enter an exclusive ReStockX. So for those that don't know, StockX is kind of a resale platform for all things streetwear, whether it's shoes, whether it's collectibles, whether it's different kind of fashion items, you know, you're able to go on StockX and you're able to buy it in the resale market from everyday individuals. And they kind of verify that it's the exact thing and it's not a fake. So I think that was something that I noticed that was super interesting, kind of Dan Gilbert getting in, you know, other companies into the same spot in kind of a creative way and also kind of using QR codes, which I'm sure he didn't realize was going to be as big a thing with Coinbase being so big. But at the same time, I definitely agree with everything you're saying. The rocket mortgage kind of tie in and kind of the humor around the different types of buyers in the housing market today, and especially Tara to the studs, whatever her name was, Barbie. I think there's this fascination with people around buying houses and flipping them because of all these shows like the Chip and Joanna, you know, House Hunters or the Property Brothers or all these different shows where people just you know, rip apart houses and people sit on their couches and they're like, I wouldn't have put that tiling in there. And it's like, you have no idea. You've never done that before. And you don't have the money to do that. At the end of the day, kind of poking fun at that and really kind of appealing to this angle that everyone understands is something to where I think they did a great job around this ad. And it was definitely one of the hits. And it was definitely one that also resonated across advertisers and the general public. All right. So moving into the next ad on my top five was FTX's Don't Miss Out starring Larry David. The ad was for FTX, which is a crypto exchange. And I think one of the interesting things they did was emphasize one of the themes that we mentioned, FOMO. In the ad, Larry David goes through different inventions in history, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it, um, you know, whether it's the wheel, whether it's the fork, you know, whether it's electricity, and he acts as someone that's kind of an adversary to the person who's trying to promote that revolutionary product and saying like, ah, that's not going to work. And his very Larry David-esque tone and humor. And the ad really tries to portray like, don't miss out on crypto. Don't miss out on being a part of FTX. Using FTX for your crypto needs. Portraying crypto in this light of it's the next big thing. It's going to revolutionize the world. You know, a lot of the products that were in the ad kind of changed the way that the world works and our staples in mainstay world life, for lack of a better way of saying it. Jack, what did you have to think about this? One? Yeah, don't don't have too much to add. I touched on this earlier with the whole kind of FOMO. I think you pretty much summed it up, but I thought, you know, it kind of shows that they are a prominent player and that they really effectively use Larry and just how it kind of just played to his whole whole persona I thought was great and so I thought this was pretty entertaining and it also will be effective just from the type of attention that they're drawing from it uh so for me it was it was solid but it just missed my top five as well but that was also in my honorable mention as well so um moving along here into my next one that was in my top five um I got one more and then my final one Luke and I both had so we can save that for the end but this one was the Amazon mind reader with Alexa. I thought this one was just so funny. I don't know how effective this is because Alexa is already pretty prominent. And it sounded like maybe there were some new features to her, but I thought just the use of Scarlett Johansson and I forget the actor's name, but I just thought this was really 
a hilarious spot. I think it just shows you the future and how it makes a play at just how funny like technology is and how it can almost ruin your day-to-day life to where it's almost too much at some points. And they really, Amazon really embraced that here by having Alexa spoil certain occasions for the couple because it was literally reading the other person's mind. And I thought they just did it in a really funny way. I thought this is effective because it's so memorable, but I don't know, know if the Super Bowl is necessarily the best platform for this ad, but overall, I think it was, it is going to be effective for them just because it was so memorable and funny. Uh, Luke, do you have anything to add there? Definitely. I think you touched on a lot of great points there. And I think what I would add is just the fact that I think there's been a lot made of the Amazon Alexa and the fact that, you know, it listens to you. I don't want, you know, a device in my home that's going to listen to me. And in that sense, I think a lot of people are skeptical, but I think not advertising in the Super Bowl and trying to put a message out was definitely not an option for the Amazon Alexa, just Amazon in general. The best thing they could have done, what they did do with this, that was great, was just poking fun at the fact that the Amazon Alexa does listen and it does know you as well as spouse or someone in your family. And in that sense is able to be helpful in some moments and is also able to be detrimental in some moments, like Jack mentioned, kind of spoiling different events. I think overall, they did a great job with this ad. Poking fun at the issue in general is the best way they could have gone at it. You know, trying to deny that the Amazon Alexa doesn't listen to you or trying to combat that angle was definitely something that wasn't going to work, especially when everyone already knows that it does. They definitely took the best route that they possibly could have. Jack, do you have anything to add before we get on to my next top five? uh, Yeah. One more thing to add that I kind of missed on was that I feel like with just the whole embracing the technologies that a lot of boomers per se will say that technology is too much or too advanced. And so I think this ad appropriately embraces that. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, whether that be the boomers or people a little bit older will kind of laugh and understand like just how technology is taking over and that like they, even Amazon, which is the future just understands that. And I think making light of it was effective. So yeah, sorry, just wanted to add that. So now uh, you can go into your final one before we both had the shared top five one. Yeah. My final top five ad was for Expedia and it was just titled stuff. Very appropriate title for the ad. It really portrayed an actor kind of walking around different spaces and saying like, at the end of your life, are you really going to remember the stuff that you didn't buy? Are you going to remember the car you didn't buy? Are you going to remember this mortgage that you didn't you know, lease or this gaming system that you didn't buy? Kind of poking fun at you know, the different stereotypes around car ads saying, you need to buy our car now. It's going to revolutionize your life kind of thing. And it really reminded me of the, it's a tide ad from 2018 Super Bowl with the guy from Stranger Things who I am blanking on his name, but it really enveloped this overall tone to where they were trying to encompass a lot of different industries in a sense and make them seem like not relevant um, and kind of make fun of them almost in a backhanded way. But at the end of the day, showing that you know, what really matters in a day are the trips that you take Expedia being, you know, a platform where you're able to kind of book different flights or hotels or, you know, travel options and whatnot. So, and I think that's something that I definitely kind of align with being someone who definitely favors experiences over physical gifts or physical objects. You're never going to remember one object. I'm not going to remember the $600 iPhone that I got in 2020. I'm going to remember, you know, that trip to Paris in 2022, 
you know, where we were able to see the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre and whatever else. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of people can identify with that. And it did a great job of also kind of disproving the other stereotypes of different other ads. Jack, what did you think about this one? Look, I'm laughing right now because come from you who will just randomly go drop $500 on two pairs of shoes or Lululemon, Mr. Oh, I'm all about experiences, but you're kind of contradicting your lifestyle there, which is funny and something for the listeners to to hear as well. But no, I feel you. And I know I'm sure you do probably like experience as well. I'm just poking fun at what you said. But overall, this was an awesome spot. Someone I'm very experiential as well. And I feel like the Super Bowl was super appropriate for this because a lot of people like know of Expedia, but don't necessarily know what it is. And for them to just hit people in the fields, especially after COVID where we've been shut down to be like, Hey, you know, we're the world's opening up again. You might've forgotten about all these experiences over the last two years. Why don't you go book something and do it through us? And I think that's all super appropriate and effective as we're in the new year now. And I thought the ad was very well done. And it really just shows how, while some people are into uh, materialistic items, um, traveling is sometimes what we need and we need to get away, especially after what we've been through. So I thought this was really appropriate and relevant as well. Yeah. Final points with this. I think they did a great job of not emphasizing, make sure you book with us, make sure you spend your money with us, Mm -hmm. but really kind of enveloping the state of mind of trips and experiences or something that you want to have more so than physical objects. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while I might be guilty of spending five or six hundred dollars on a pair of shoes or two or three hundred bucks on some Lululemon <laughs> shorts, I think at the end of the day, when you really kind of look back at life and what you remember, you know, those trips and those experiences are what you remember. And they did a great job of kind of disproving, you know, the other side and kind of proving their side as something that you want to have, you know, looking back at your life. I just think they did a great job addressing the elephant of the room without directly stating it. I mean, it's kind of, you know, just the bigger theme of we're hopefully overcoming COVID and, you know, we didn't go away. We're still here. And so here we are at the Super Bowl. So, all right. Do you want to throw it to your final top five, our final yeah, top we five? Both suppose, one that we both had this as well had. as the Coinbase, obviously, but this one drum roll, our last of our top fives are or is the Uber Eats ad, the Uber Don't Eats. Reason why I really like this was because I think the Super Bowl was a perfect way to do this to showcase that Uber Eats does not only deliver eats now and you can do different types of like household products. And the reason why I think the Super Bowl was the right platform for this was that Uber Eats has obviously added this um, to their business model and to their products that they deliver. And I think they it'd be difficult to get the word out just through social media or other campaigns, but utilizing the Super Bowl to do this and to create the awareness for this, I think is just so smart because they created such a unique out of the ordinary ad where they were eating, you know, household products. And I thought that was hilarious and memorable. And that's something that people might not see if it's just played, you know, during other types of regular television or other sporting events. I think the Super Bowl was really the right, the actual creative of the ad was really appropriate for a Super Bowl spot. And on top of that, I think that Uber Eats, just from a business perspective, kind of feels the pressure from GoPuff because GoPuff delivers more of your home goods and products. And so I think Uber Eats is really adapting and innovating to expand their 
offering as well. Um, so yeah, I thought this was great and it was the right platform to advertise at. What about you, Luke? Yeah. I mean, I think Jack had a lot of great points there with the Uber Eats ad. I think around COVID and the quarantine period in general, people have kind of associated Uber Eats as this, this industry leader first and foremost, but kind of platform to just order food, you know, whether you want McDonald's or you wanted, you know, Pizza Hut, or you wanted Wendy's, you know, really anything, you know, Uber Eats had it. And they kind of emphasized that they were kind of the go-to for any kind of food product that you wanted to order. So I think like Jack said, kind of the Super Bowl is a great option for them to kind of get the word out that they don't just deliver food and to do it in a comedic way to where, you know, you're poking fun at the fact that everyone thinks that it's just food and all they do is food was very funny. Um, and I think they did a great job with that, you know, kind of competing with the go puffs and the Instacarts of the world is really poignant. And I think with their kind of stranglehold on the industry with the fact that Uber eats is so big and kind of the food delivery space, you know, it really does make sense for them to try to break into this kind of grocery and everyday product space. So I really like the way that they did that. And I really like the way that they're trying to break out of the the notion that they that all they do is just, you know, deliver food from different restaurants. So I thought they did a great job here. Um, and I thought the way that they did it with humor was perfect. So I think moving into our bottom five, these were either our least favorite from kind of just a straight up bad perspective or really just disappointing, you know, whether it's a brand that has done a lot of great work in recent Super Bowls. It's a brand that has a lot of products that have come out and just didn't deliver. These are our least favorite. And I think there's a little bit of overlap here and we'll kind of discuss that when it comes up. But my first bottom ad is the Bud Light Next Zero in the Way of Possibility. I think Bud Light Next here, and we talked about this on a previous podcast, you know, they're releasing a new product. It's a 64 calorie drink. Jack mentioned that it kind of tastes like soda water. It's kind of a White Claw-esque product. I think they thought too much into this to where they wanted to envelop a lifestyle and appeal too much to Gen Z to where it almost didn't make any sense. You know, they threw some NFT stuff in there, some gaming stuff in there, some crypto stuff in there, some VR stuff in there. There was so much shit going on that like you know, I get that the whole point is, you know, there are so many possibilities with Bud Light Next, but at the same time, you know, when there's not one central idea and it kind of just flip-flops around different things that Gen Z is synonymous with, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And it didn't tell me anything about Bud Light Next. When we were talking about it last week on our episode, I was definitely interested in trying Bud Light Next and kind of seeing, does this rival something like a White Claw or is it still kind of competitive in the beer market? But after this, I'm not necessarily sure what it is. I'm not sure that I even want to try it anymore. Jack, what did you think after this one? I know you had this in your bottom as well. Yeah, this was in my bottom as well. It's just pretty disappointing overall. I mean, we, I kind of hyped up Bud Light Next. I was saying that the Miller 64 campaign in rebuttal to this was not that good but honestly now i'm eating my words because i think miller 64 while the whole slogan of 64 being less than 80 was kind of weird and not relevant it actually is more memorable than whatever this weird bud light next futuristic looking i don't even know how to describe this ad it was so odd it just kind of flowed but not very cohesively at all yeah, it was like a fantasy type spot. I don't know really what it was, but I just think, I mean, obviously it's got, you got to be creative to be in the Super Bowl and it, you got to do something out of the ordinary. But 
it'd be one thing if if Anheuser-Busch did this for a current product, but I mean, this was literally the launch of this product and this is the route they chose. It was just disappointing for me. Not much to it other than that. I don't, I'm kind of leaving confused. I feel like I knew what it was luckily. I mean, maybe people will now be curious to look it up, but I feel like they didn't do that good of a job explaining really what this is. So uh, I'm just disappointed. I think this was in definitely a bottom five, uh, which is for me as well. Moving on now, my second bottom five, I guess we're going to stay on the whole Anheuser-Busch theme here. Budweiser was back and they were back with the Clydesdales. And I know over the years, Bud Budweiser's had some very emotional Clydesdales journey type ads with the horses and dogs. And I know it, that's really been an emotional ad for people, but this one, I feel like they just tried to get too creative with between the dynamic of the dog and the, the Clydesdales. And it just, I don't know, it just felt a little like they were kind of pushing it when they really shouldn't have in a way. I mean, it just, obviously they put a ton of work into it, but it just, it didn't really resonate with me uh, compared to what they've done in previous years. What do you think, Luke? Yeah. I mean, this one didn't resonate with me either. You know, I am as much a fan as anyone as the Clydesdales coming back, but at the same time, the way that they did this one, it was very dramatic. It was very basic at the same time to where, you know, it was kind of this heartwarming story between a horse and a dog where the horse kind of gets hurt and the dog in a sense, nurses it back to health. In all reality, I think a lot of people know when, you know, horses kind of injure themselves that they're kind of done with their careers and kind of with their life cycle of kind of helping out on the farm and whatever else. In this sense, it was almost too much of a pipe dream for me to kind of really get behind the Clydesdale involvement here. Um, and it felt like they were trying to evoke too much emotion and trying to get people way too involved with, oh, wow, look at this horse and it's coming back to health. And then look how it runs so gracefully and it's like what are you doing here like the like the dog like nursed it back to health it's a dog like i love dogs i have a dog but you know just a weird dynamic it was a very strange dynamic it wasn't necessarily what we're used to and i think they missed the mark with this one i wanted this to work as much as everyone else did but it didn't kind of hit with me and i also had and this in my bottom five yeah and i respect them for trying to take a little different of an angle but just overall i'd say would not live up to the hype that you initially see when you when you or yeah it didn't live up to the hype that like you initially think about when you first see this spot on tv yep definitely agree so moving into my third moving into my fourth i suppose bottom five ad because the Budweiser Clydesdale's journey, as well as the Michelob Ultra Superior Bowl, were both in my Ooh. bottom five. My fourth bottom five ad was the Turkish Airlines Pangea ad. To be completely honest, I kind of tuned out when this ad even hit. I rewatched it later to kind of see, was I right in not liking this ad? And I still back up my opinion to where it's pretty much just scenic shots of very scenic things with Morgan Freeman talking very dramatically over things. And I'm sure that's just Morgan Freeman's voice. And that's how he talks with any voiceover. And people have, for as long as I can remember, talked about how great Morgan Freeman is whenever he narrates anything. You know, people can listen to Morgan, you know, Morgan Freeman narrate anything. But I feel like I've had enough of it at this point. And for something like Turkish Airlines, I don't necessarily know anything more about Turkish Airlines. 
I don't know about anything where they fly. I don't know anything about their deals. I don't know anything what they're about after watching this ad, other than the fact that Morgan Freeman was narrating it and trying to make it dramatic. And maybe they were trying to make it seem like a luxury airline for lack of a better way of saying it. My brain just shut off after hearing his voice talk slowly and dramatically over this ad. Jack, what did you think here? Yeah, I thought Morgan Freeman was an interesting play here. First of all, he sure has age over the last time I see him. I mean, I really didn't even recognize him, but I was just like, oh, that's definitely Morgan Freeman. But no kidding. Kind of just odd to have him there. I agree with what you said. I will say though that I think the whole theme was that Turkish Airlines initially connected the world or like how the world something happened with like Turkey and how they expanded into other countries. And now Turkish airlines enables you to do that because it's Turkish air Turkish airlines is able to take you to different places. So I thought the whole concept and theme there was special. And I mean, they were able to do that with Morgan Freeman, but just the fact that he's kind of old news at this point, it was just, kind of random and i wouldn't say that this is a bottom five for me but i agree that it was not the best yeah i feel like as far as the message goes i understand what they're trying to convey i think i would have loved to see some comedy i would have loved to see something different from an airline you know i know you know united southwest you know a lot of these bigger names have put out kind of spots whether it's at the super bowl or it's non-super bowl ads that are kind of comedic and just kind of poke fun at you know various things around flight and different things around travel. But I think in the utilization of Morgan Freeman, they chose the route of let's kind of identify with Morgan Freeman and let's make it this like documentary-esque advertisement. And in that sense, I feel like I've seen it a thousand times before, not necessarily in an ad format, but in a Morgan Freeman kind of narration aspect. In that sense, I don't necessarily know that I hate the ad as much as I hate the utilization of Morgan Freeman here. I don't know that anyone's going to fault a company for using Morgan Freeman because he's such a recognizable voice. But I think with trying to appeal as an airline, you know, there are better routes than getting a very stock standard, well-known voice to voice, to, to back your product, for lack of a better way of saying it. So I think they could have done better here. And I think that's why it ended up in my bottom five, Jack. Let's move into your third or fourth. I don't know which one we're at yet, but how about you jump into yours? Yeah, so um, something else while we're on the thing of the past, uh, the Disney Plus ad, I thought it was really well done. It was kind of funny with the whole goat saying that like we have the greatest movies of all time. I thought it was that was a good spot overall, but I just think go, like the term goat, the greatest of all time is kind of so five, six, seven years ago. And yeah, everyone knows what that is, but I think they just, that would have been funnier had this been three, four years ago, but basically Luke's looking like he hasn't seen this, which is fine. So basically there was a, a narrator that was like walking through a building and there were all these goats like dressed up in different Disney characters and saying, we have the goats, like we have the greatest movies of all time on Disney plus. So they did a good job showing that they do have, you know, some of the biggest movies and that, you know, it might be something you want to invest in if you're interested in movies because they have a big, you know, network of, of movies on their platform. But just overall, I thought the whole goat term was a little bit like a thing of the past. And it just, it wasn't as funny as it would have been. So I thought I was just a little disappointed, but it was, it was a good spot overall. And I think they got the message across. You hit the nail on the head. I actually was rewatching the ad while you mentioned that I looked like I hadn't seen it before. So you actually nailed that exactly. Um, but I think you're 
you're exactly right with the fact that they are five or 10 years past with this goat conversation and using the word goat as this kind of slang term, I guess, and trying to relate to the kids. I think it's, I think it's cute. And I think hitting kind of the Disney audience of people who think anything is cute that dresses up in Disney can never go wrong, but trying to get people that aren't necessarily signed up for Disney plus or aren't paying the monthly subscription to take that jump and subscribe I don't necessarily know that they did anything that anything special that makes me want to subscribe. I am a subscriber, but if I wasn't, I wouldn't necessarily think, wow, look at all these goats dressed up in different, different getup that's that looks like different Disney characters. I don't know that that inspires me to kind of jump to that conclusion. I think it appeals more to those who know Disney movies and kind of Disney shows and can relate and kind of say, oh, hey, that's up the goat kind of floating outside the window as opposed to someone that's like, I don't know what the fuck this goat is doing outside the window. I think I would definitely agree. This one was definitely towards the bottom for me as well. Moving into my final bottom ad, the ad was for crypto.com and it was called The Moment of Truth. The ad starred LeBron James in kind of a odd CGI kind of ad where LeBron James is sitting in a room in like 2003, 2004, whenever he was in high school. That was when I was super young. But whenever he was in high school, kind of talking to himself about, you know, the future and kind of saying like, oh, you guys have electric cars. Oh, yeah, that's super cool. But I can't tell you everything yet. And kind of saying that crypto is this, you know, thing that's coming and it's super cool. They don't mention the word crypto. They don't mention anything about currency or how things are kind of exchanged hand-to-hand or how transactions work. They don't talk about crypto explicitly at all. And I think in this sense, a lot of general publications kind of said this one's great. And I think they really just said it because LeBron James is in it and people like LeBron James. And I think an interesting tie-in is the fact that the Staples Center, the basketball arena where the Lakers play, was recently renamed the Crypto.com Arena. So it does tie into the fact that getting a Lakers player to star in their ad makes sense. A larger conversation around this and something that I thought was really surprising was the fact that the crypto space really didn't have any sort of ads across any of the different vendors, whether it's an exchange or it's a specific kind of coin. Didn't really talk to what crypto is, how to trade it, why it's the future. They really kind of promoted it as this next thing and you don't want to miss it, but We're not going to explain to you what it is. I think one of the big hurdles with crypto is the fact that people are skeptical about what it is. People don't understand online money. People don't understand the emphasis of, you know, the younger generation around crypto and why it's important. I think even being part of this younger side of the generation, I don't understand it as well. And I was hoping to kind of learn something more from, you know, crypto.com and FTX, Coinbase, but I didn't really gain any of that. At least with Coinbase in my mind, I at least got some free money to where there's no harm in me not signing up. But with crypto.com and this moment of truth with LeBron James, I don't think that I learned anything about crypto or necessarily learned why I should be doing it. At least with FTX, I'm being told that it's as revolutionary as the wheel. I'm being told it's as revolutionary as electricity. So in that sense, it's something I can't miss on. It's something that I have to get involved in. But here, it's really just LeBron James's endorsement, which you know, if you like LeBron, I guess that makes sense, but it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Jack, what did you think here? Yeah, this was in my bottom five as well. I think the reason why it's in my bottom five is to Luke's points. It's like, it's just not really related to crypto. I don't know if LeBron's audience is the right market for people that are going to, you know, stay in crypto moving forward. I think he's an interesting, you know, partner here. I think it's just 
a way to get a lot of hype around, you know, this company. But I will say though, this ad was incredibly well done. There was so much symmetry to it. For example, the volume on LeBron's speaker was 23, his number. There was a couple uh, magazines that were of him when he was in high school, also had um, Allen Iverson, which was one of his favorite players growing up. So I think the ad itself was just really well done. And I think maybe initially it's going to draw a lot of people to crypto.com, which is the official partner of the Lakers stadium. So I think it'll initially, you know, be a, a solid brand lift for them. But just overall, I don't know if this is going to lead, you know, to the success that they're hoping for. Yeah. And I mean, I think LeBron James, even past kind of the Staples Center to crypto.com arena tie into the Lakers kind of thing. He is one of these athletes that's very outspoken in his kind of backing of the crypto space, NFTs, kind of this new wave era of commerce and tech and whatnot. Um, so I think he is probably the right athlete if you're going to go that route to endorse something like this and be in a spot. He's very recognizable and he is a big voice kind of on his own around something like this, but I do think it was kind of strange in a sense to kind of see, you know, the CGI version of himself when, you know, he was in high school asking himself, should I go to the league and kind of questioning, like, is there a further message around this is like, is, should I go to the league equivalent to, should I invest in crypto? You know, I don't know why you'd want to be questioning, you know, crypto with the league. And I don't know if I'm really thinking too much into this, but I think overall it was more confusing ad than anything to me. While I think they had the right, they had the right guy for this, for lack of a better way of saying it, it didn't really deliver as far as what I expected from um, a crypto ad here. Um, whether Definitely. it was giving us free money or whether it was trying to persuade us in a FOMO type way, like I mentioned with FTX. So that was why it was in our bottom. Yeah. And so basically keeping a theme for me, similar to the last uh, LeBron ad here is Something that was just super well done, but just kind of a huh, was the whole meta, the old friends, new fun, where it was kind of like the toy story where the the animal toy came to life and you saw his journey in life and how he you know, initially fell out of a car, got onto a truck and became a mascot and did all these different things and ended up at an air, airport and it just ended up being for the metaverse. And I thought that ad was awesome. You know, I mean, it locked me right in. It's just like, oh boy. What is this going to be for? I mean, this is just something that's going to maybe change the world. And while, yeah, sure, maybe Metaverse is, I thought it was going to be something even more groundbreaking. And I thought the ad was, you know, phenomenal in the sense that it really drew you in and it was emotional and, you know, it got you going and interested in the ad. But just overall, I just, of course, it, it, the ad ends and you're just like, ah, like Zuckerberg got you there, like, oh, just for the metaverse, you know, what is this? So it was just, I don't know. I thought it was well done, but it, it would have been nice if it, it was for something a little bit more tangible in a sense. What about you, Luke? What do you think about that one? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I initially actually had this in my top five because I am a sucker, like Jack was saying, for, you know, these storyline kind of build the narrative around, you know, this sad, sappy thing. And, feel bad for X character or X, you know, individual in the ad. But I think the more that I think about it, the more I'm kind of confused by it in a sense, you know, I, I understand to a it's point. Like, what is the where, point? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think to a point, I understand where meta who recently bought Oculus and 
that's what the ad is for, which I didn't realize until recently. Exactly. Right. So in that sense, it's almost like I understand that, you know, they have to advertise and they have to kind of put their, put themselves out there in a creative way. And the way that they did it was great, but it's almost something that I can't get behind in a sense to where they're trying to promote people kind of connecting in this, you know, virtual reality world where you're able to kind of reunite with your friends and kind of do the activities that you were used to doing in this sense, the mascot being able to kind of rekindle his band at a Chuck E. Cheese and Channing Castle-esque restaurant activity place in the metaverse. But with kind of COVID becoming less and less relevant, for lack of a better way of saying it, with, you know, the vaccine and boosters and whatnot, if anything, it's, and I guess it's tough for them to advertise anything, but pushing people to kind of put on this headset, kind of live in this virtual world with their friends when they can just go out, whether it's being at a bar, you know, safely socially distanced and masks and, you know, vaccines and whatever, going to a park or whatever else, you know, there are options to kind of go out in the world and see people in, you know, physical proximity. So in that sense, I think it's tough, but I do understand kind of what they were trying to get at, but I think the current space of the world is tough to relate to for them. And I think for a from just a pure entertainment standpoint, I mean, this is a top five ad. I mean, this really hooked you in and hooked you in early. It was easy to follow, but then just the, I mean, a lot of people don't know what Oculus is or what the metaverse is. And this did not really help you understand that. And, you know, maybe it's going to draw some lead generation because now people are curious, but like overall, I mean, I think they just got you in such an emotional they got you so emotionally attached to the ad that you were more concerned about this animal's mascot's life than you were the actual product itself. And that's why I don't think it's very effective, but like, if we're talking about the USA today poll, I mean, this was a fantastic ad that was just obviously tied everyone in. I mean, from, from the entertainment sense, I mean, it's fantastic, but just in terms of being effective for, Oculus. I just, I just don't think it is. I think a lot of people might disagree with us. So let us know what you think, but yeah, it's just kind of bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I think personally kind of touching on what I said before, it's, it's also something to where I didn't even realize that meta previously Facebook had even bought Oculus. I think they bought it. In yeah. I didn't know that either. So the start of the pandemic, but it, it made sense in the moment. And I think this ad had it come out you know, last year's Super Bowl would have made a lot more sense. You know, we were in the middle of everything and there wasn't a vaccine, you know, out and available for, you know, the general public. And the way that people could have connected was through, you know, virtual reality and this Oculus. But, you know, the fact that I didn't even realize until literally last night that Oculus had been bought by Meta in 2019 and they were the ones owning and operating it. It's not a great look. Um, and in that sense, also trying to promote, you know, this virtual kind of world that we're living in, whether it's to reconnect or it's, you know, for entertainment, you know, whether you're watching Netflix on it or whether you're, you know, working out on it or whatnot. I think it's a tough sell when people really just want to kind of experience quote unquote normal life again, where they're able to go to a gym, they're able to go to a movie theater, they're able to hang out with their friends in person. It's tough to kind of push reconnecting online as this revolutionary thing. So I think they could have done better here. And I definitely agree with Jack that this was one that was towards the bottom for me as well. So overall, though, I think I enjoyed the advertising this year. And I think 
like we mentioned, there were a lot of different themes um, that were kind of underlying across every single ad. I think like the five that we mentioned earlier, I think a lot tie back to that. And there are probably some other categories as well. So definitely let us know if you think there were any other categories that we could have touched on here. But overall, I think a lot of campaigns did some great work with celebrities. You know, they did a great job of tapping into what's current in the Gen Z base, while also trying to remain nostalgic with different elements from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, even the 2010s. It really was refreshing to see kind of a variety of different ads, um, as well as some stuff we haven't seen before, like the QR code with Coinbase. Jack, what are your overall takeaways from this Super Bowl set of ads? Yeah, I think it was a great mix of the past, present, and future, just with all those nostalgic ads, you know, what's currently going on, and then the future with all the electric cars in this metaverse Oculus ad we just talked about. I think it was a pretty diverse portfolio of ads. I thought there was a lot of, you know, obviously to be in the Super Bowl, like we said, you got to be a big player like Anheuser-Busch that can have seven brands be in the Super Bowl or you know, the Chevrolet, the top car companies of the world, or you got to be something or someone that's doing something totally different, like all these crypto ads or someone who's trying to maybe look, make a big push like Irish Spring. So I thought overall in the moment, I really wasn't too impressed, but now reflecting back and letting it settle. I mean, they were pretty entertaining and hopefully effective overall. Yeah. I think looking back at this year's Super Bowl, watching in the moment, I was very underwhelmed as well, but looking back and kind of rewatching all the ads on these different platforms, I definitely do get a better sense that these brands knew what they were doing and had really thought out their different ads. I think some missed the mark, like we said, and like we've touched on, but Overall, it was definitely better than the typical ad, especially with the current climate around trying to breach kind of being out in in public, getting out of COVID vaccine space and being very diligent about that and knowing like, you know, we can't really just allude to the fact that the world is completely normal, but you know, it's obviously not normal. So I think everyone did a great job of touching on that as well. So overall, thank you so much for listening to our Super Bowl special installment of the Brand Banner podcast. We had a lot of fun doing this and we have a lot of great content coming around with some new and existing segments, as well as some guest hosts and some guest interviews. Additionally, please make sure to share, like, um, and subscribe on any of your platforms, as well as across all socials on Instagram and LinkedIn. We are Brand Banner podcast. And then on Twitter, we are Brand Banner pod. So until next time, this has been Jack and Luke, and we look forward to speaking to you soon and hope you enjoyed it.